Amen. Now, you think pastoring is hard, preaching is hard, transitioning is harder sometimes. When you just heard that they were searching for Taylor Swift. The difference in the high school and junior high camp is we were searching for Doug. They were searching for Taylor Swift. Another, thing, another big difference is their chant was, we are not last. Our battle cry was, we are last. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you, church, for uh, the investment. And my prayer is that God would continue to raise up soldiers. Amen. Men and women to serve him and, and to live for him and to show the world what Jesus looks like. I want you to take your Bible this morning and I want you to join me in 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 6. 2 Kings, chapter 6. Now, I want to preface this message by saying it may be unlike any message you've ever heard or perhaps maybe you've forgotten this story in Scripture. It's almost too hard to believe that times came to this point where these unthinkable things were actually part of society. If you need a Bible this morning, there's a red one in front of you, and I want you to take that. But the message is entitled, Desperate Lives. Desperate Lives. You've heard it said before that desperate times call for desperate measures. That's not necessarily always true because sometimes the desperate measures lead to unfortunate circumstances. This morning I was uh, speaking to Mark Conning, and most of you know that Mark is a retired police officer uh, out of Trotwood. And part of their assignment back in the glory days was Salem Mall. How many of you ever shopped at Salem Mall? That used to be the place, didn't it? Boy, if we could go to Salem Mall. And Mark said, Trotwood Police Department would just be inundated with calls as, it, as they got around Christmas. And it was remarkable how most of the time, desperation was the reason around Christmas for all of the arrest and, and uh, uh, shoplifting and things that were taking place. And, and he said people were so humiliated because it, it's something that they'd never done in their lives, but yet the desperation of the moment or providing for their family or the pressure of it all was too big for them and they gave in to the temptation. Sometimes in our desperation, we may do something that we normally would not do. Something that would be far from our thinking and action. You've heard this said before. When we become desperate, sometimes the pain of staying the same is greater than change so we go ahead and change. We're desperate for something to take place. We're going to pick it up in verse 24 this morning in chapter 6. And the Bible says, uh, let, let's, let's read the last statement in verse 23. After Elisha had uh, led the Syrian army blinded to Samaria, the Bible says, Verse 23, then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away to their master. Here's the statement. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. At this point, you would think that the battle's over, that the war is over, everybody's peaceful, and, and nothing's going to go forward, but that's simply not the case. Verse 24, 
And it happened after that that Benadad, the king of Syria, gathered all of his armies. One commentator said, make note, verse 23 refers to the bands of Syrian raiders. Now here is the whole army. And they went up and besieged Samaria. So the battle hadn't come to where Israel was. Elisha had moved them to Samaria, and now the Syrians were coming to Samaria. Listen to this, to deal with Elisha. Verse 25, and there was a great famine in Samaria. How bad was it? How desperate was it? Indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels, two pounds of silver, and one-fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Can you imagine that? Let's keep reading. Then the king of Israel, Jehoram, your, your Bible may say Joram. Then the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, obviously looking things over. And a woman cried out to him saying, help my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor, from the wine press? And I believe right here he's just responding, we don't have anything. Folks, what I'm about to read to you is almost hard to believe. Things had sunk so far. Desperation was so deep. This is what somebody did. Verse 28. So the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son. Can you believe this? And we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give us your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by the wall, the people looked and underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Verse 31 says, then he said, God do so to me and more if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Now, who's saying this, folks? This isn't the king of Syria. This is the king of Israel. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how the son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head. Now, Jehoram would be the son of Ahab. Ahab was married to Jezebel. You get the picture. Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming to them, to him, and the king said, the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? God, as we look at this passage this morning, it is hard to believe 
that desperation would lead to cannibalism, to, to this picture that we're looking at this morning. But God, I also ask you this morning to help us recognize that there's desperation all around us. And maybe while we don't see this picture, uh, there's desperation in the picture of, of, of a young mother this morning wondering what she's going to do with this unexpected pregnancy. That there's desperation, Lord, in a father who's wondering how he's going to prepare for, uh, provide for his household. And God, there might be desperation even in this place today of, of somebody looking for hope and peace and wondering where that comes from and where they're going to find it. So we ask that you would help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When a donkey's head and the waist of a dove become important to you and your livelihood, would we all agree this morning that they're at a desperate place? One reason I believe that there's such desperation is the effects of war the effects of the battle. And when people are desperate, oftentimes they become hopeless. Have you ever been hopeless? Have you ever wondered uh, if anything's going to get better? Uh, have, have you ever uh, just longed for a, a better day? What, maybe it's in your marriage or in your family or your job or your health where you've come to the point of saying it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. Well, I believe what we're looking at in Scripture this morning is desperation. Desperation. And when the king takes a look at what's going on, I believe little did he know what was going to be coming at him and what the, the woman was going to be asking of him. As a matter of fact, when she asks the king for help, he says, if the Lord doesn't help you, do you think I can? Do you think I can? Is it food or drink from the threshing floor or the wine press? There's nothing. There's nothing. If, if you have your outline this morning, I want you to jot down a few thoughts. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. What can I do? That's what the king says. So the question to us this morning is, what can we do? What can we do when we look at a world that needs help and when we see loved ones that are struggling or when we see the desperation around us? What can I do? Well, first of all, the first thing is do something with what God's given you. Do something with what God's given you. Now, I realize, I realize that especially you ladies that are by yourself in a vehicle, you don't need to be pulling over everywhere and helping everybody fix everything. It's a different story. It's a different story. Uh, we were involved in an incident a week ago that really could have been a, a, a TV-made movie. We were coming out of Eaton. It was dark, and we were on the other side of the landfill on 127 coming this way. If you're familiar with that, you recognize that's a, a gradual hill coming this way. When we got there, Renee said, there's a car on the road, there's a car on the road, and lo and behold, there was a dead car, dark, sitting right in the southbound lane with no lights at all, and it was about dark. Ahead of the car was another car with the flashers on, 
and there was a young couple outside of the car. I pulled over, turned the flashers on, got out, and he said, the young man's not responsive. He's not, he's not responding to anything we're saying. He goes, I've already called 911. I walked around to the door. A young man was sitting in the driver's seat by himself. He looked at me with this stoic look and didn't say one word. Didn't say one word. And we thought, boy, this is odd. This is either medical or he's high or something. And uh, he seemed to be lost, and he just sat there continually cranking his car, and it sounded like he was out of gas. And I said, Bro brother, we need to get you out of the road. You're going to get killed sitting here in this, in this road. But he didn't respond. He didn't act like he understood the command. So I called the Preble County Sheriff just to reinforce the message that had already been. I said, there is something wrong here. Another car pulled up behind me, turned on their flashers. Renee had moved our car up forward, and this brand-new Ford Explorer was sitting there. The guy come out, said he hit a deer. said, no, we don't know what's wrong. The police are on their way. He went around, tried to talk to the young man. He didn't respond. And about that time, we were standing there waiting on the police, and that car starts rolling backwards down that hill and slams into that brand-new Ford Explorer. Eaton police arrive. They try to talk him out of the car. He's not responding. Another officer comes because he continually tries to start his car. He protests a little bit. And my buddy turned his cell phone on to start recording. And I said, that's a good thing because this is exactly the kind of scene we witness on television when people are doing their job and something goes wrong. Finally, the uh, chief deputy for the Preble County Sheriff gets there. And those three men told him he was either getting out of the car or they would take him out of the car. And they eventually took him out of the car and, and they took him in a, in a cruiser. And there I stood with this new friend I had made who had just had his car hit. And everybody going north saw Brother Greg and this guy standing there by the flashing lights. And they're thinking, our pastor is getting arrested for something. Why am I telling you that story? Because for a moment, that story got scary. You can't help everybody all the time. Listen to me. But you can sometimes. Do what you can do. God gives us resources. I shared with First Connection today, I believe God has blessed our church so much that he's put us in a position to encourage other churches. Trust the power of God. Don't do it alone. Trust the power of God. And make sure that in trusting God, you don't get selfish and that you want the glory for yourself. Make sure that the glory always goes to God. Amen? Point people to Jesus. Show people his heart by using your hands and your feet. How do I do that? I do it by praying. I do it by participating. I do it by sharing my faith and pointing people to Jesus and I do it by serving. Now, in this passage, the king says to the woman, what's troubling you? And I can't imagine in a thousand years he's expecting to hear this. This woman said to me, give, me, give your son that we may eat him today, and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled son and ate him. And I said to her on the next, give us your son, and she didn't. She hid him. 
The Bible says when the king hears that, the words from the woman, he tears his clothes, and as he passed by the wall, the people looked, and underneath his clothes he had on sackcloth. He was grieving, or you would think he was grieving, for the predicament that the nation had fallen in two. Number two, desperation has led people to do unthinkable things. Don't sit here this morning and say, Brother Greg, some of the things we read about in the paper, that'll never happen in our family. Don't sit here and say, my kids will never do that. My grandkids will never do that. Folks, only by the grace of God, don't they? Only by the grace of God does anybody make a good decision. Amen? And we recognize that sometimes in the heat of the moment, in desperate, in desperate circumstances, people do unthinkable things. And she presents her case. One commentator said, by the way this woman presents this is sad. It's like she's in a court just laying out the fact that they just killed her son. Desperate people can do unthinkable things. Now, in a church, and man, it's good to see some of you back with us. It's good to have Donna Rydell back after recovering from surgery. In a church, are we not pros at covering up our hurt? You say, well, what do you mean, Brother Greg? I ask you how you are, and you tell me we're doing great. You ask me the same, and I say things are great. You ask about church in Camden, boy, things are going well. How many times have we ever stopped in life and hit our knees and say something like this? God, I am a mess. I'm a mess. Folks, I believe that sometimes we have to get desperate enough just to even get on our knees. When we serve a holy God who could drive us to our knees any moment he wanted to, and we have the privilege to pray and we have the privilege to thank him for saving us, uh, listen to me. We're living in a world that is desperately looking for the answer. And he says, what's troubling you? Now, keep in mind, this is not like it is in Genesis when Abraham is taking Isaac up Mount Moriah and is going to offer him as a sacrifice to the Lord. We're not looking at the same thing here. What we're looking at is life is without hope to the point that I'm willing to give up my child. Now, I believe I know the parents in this building Mark's dad sitting here with him, I believe, celebrating his birthday today. I'm looking at you all as parents. I don't believe anybody in here would want to give up a child. As a matter of fact, I know you parents, and you would rather die for your kids. When they get sick, you say things like, I wish it were me. I wish I could take your place. Am I right? I wish I could hurt for you. But when you look at this picture, desperation is clouded thinking. Good judgments not being used. Decisions that are made will never be forgotten. Scar for life. I believe the last thing Jehoram was expecting 
was to hear that mothers were eating their children. So the Bible says he's devastated and, and he has on clothes of grief underneath. Number three, he was devastated that the nation had fallen so low. And my question is, is that, is that it? Well, he tore his clothes. But did he tear his clothes as a sign of sorrow, as a sign of repentance? And when you look at this story, let's let the Bible answer that. He had sackcloth on his body, verse 31. Then he said, God, do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Let me tell you, folks, it wasn't about repentance for the state of the people. He was mad at God. He was mad at God. He was mad at Elisha. He wasn't humbled. He wasn't repentant. He wanted vengeance on the man of God. The Bible says, God, kill me if Elisha's not dead today. Have you ever treated God like he was your enemy? Have you ever felt like God was punishing you? Folks, I believe with all of my heart, if we could see God's plan and the picture that God has for my life, we would fall right into line. But here on earth, in our, in our uh, finite wisdom, we can't understand everything God's doing. Some people would say, well, I got mad at the pastor. I'm not going there anymore. Somebody made me mad at church. I got offended. I'm not going. And some folks have quit on God because of some silly thing that's happened in a place called a local church. Let me tell you something. We all are sinful. Only by the grace of God are we saved. Amen? Listen to me. Sometimes in church, people say things they have no business saying. Anybody want to say amen? So what happens? What happens when you realize you say something you shouldn't have said? How about somebody raising their hand and saying, folks, I'm sorry. I don't know why I act like that. I'm sorry. What happened to somebody going to somebody and saying, Brian, when we were talking last Sunday, I think I came across wrong. And I th it may have hurt your feelings. I'm sorry about that. You know what we do? We quit. We quit. We quit. And then we get our fingers working and we get out there on Facebook and Twitter or whatever and we begin to blast everything godly about the church we came from and we give it a one-star review. And, and folks, listen, listen. Don't tell me how spiritual you are on social media. Holy cow, everybody looks better than they really are. On my profile, I put 6'1", dark-headed. You know, and Renee would look at that and say, really, really? No, I think everybody that sees that has some kind of picture that life is better and my life somehow doesn't equal. I want to remind you this morning, it's not what, the, it's not what the, my 55 viewers think. 
That's what a God knows. Long time ago, I was your new pastor. I was sitting at uh, East River Road for a meeting. I've told you the story. I was paged by my mom. That, that should tell you how long ago it was. I called home, and she said, Greg, Papaw passed away sitting at the kitchen table. Here's the conversation I have with my Papaw once. Greg, I used to ride to work with these guys at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. If they're Christians and going to heaven, I know I'm going to heaven. Here was my response. Papaw, one day a holy God is not going to stand you next to a bunch of sorry Christians and compare you to their life. Listen carefully. The only way you get to heaven is by perfection. And the only one worthy of that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to come his way. You have to come his way. You see, his problem was he wasn't humbled and he was wearing that sackcloth as a sign of his grief. Oh, it may have looked good to everybody else. His problem was he was mad at God. He was mad at God. Number four. And by the way, what good is an outward sign of repentance if your heart's not right? You see, repentance works its way from the inside out. You don't, you don't take a bath and then say, I'm going to get my heart right. You let God change the heart, and other things will take place. Now, I love Elisha's response. Verse 32. He's just been told. He, he already knows. How do we know he already knows? Listen to the word, verse 32. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Here comes a messenger, and just know that the king will be behind him. Look at the end of that verse. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? I believe those are some of the saddest verses you and I could read in Scripture. That we somehow get to the point, and because God's timetable has been different, that, we, that it's not when we want it, or it's a different answer, that God has somehow let us down and we get to the point of saying something like this why should I wait for the Lord any longer I'll just take business into my own hands and do it my way you see in Elijah's response he wasn't worried the Bible doesn't say he was sitting wringing his hands he wasn't mad or upset he trusted God to provide and brothers and sisters when life gets desperate, would we understand this morning that there is an unseen hand that I can cling to? That there is faith in what the promise of the Word of God says, that He'll never leave me nor forsake me. That I can cast all my care upon Him, for He cares for me. I believe that's some of the saddest words in Scripture. Why should I wait on the Lord? I mean, surely this calamity is from Him. Why should I wait? I'll tell you why you should wait on the Lord. His plan is always best. Look at, ver look at verse 1, chapter 7. Then Elisha said, 
Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Based on everything that's taken place, based on the inflation of everything, including a donkey's head and the waste from a dove, tomorrow things are going to start getting better. How sad would it be to react on something knowing that tomorrow, if I'd have waited on the Lord, it would have worked itself out because God's in control. Number six, God's timetable simply is not ours. You know, there's a, uh, there's a date that's already recorded in the future, if the Lord tarries, that has your name on it and my name on it. What do you mean, really, Greg? The Bible says it's appointed man wants to die. And out there is a date. Hey, I, I don't know. For Brother Greg, it could be today. It could be today. We don't know that. But we know one thing. The Bible gives us plenty warning about being ready. We procrastinate about things. I mean, we procrastinate about the doctor until the pain of, of what we're dealing with is greater than the fact we got to go to the doctor. Then once we realize, well, I've got to go, men are good at that. Men are great at that. Ladies want to say amen? Okay. The fact that your silence tells me that you might have a problem with that too. Okay? We procrastinate about things, right? We procrastinate about uh, making wills and things like that. Uh, power of attorneys and taking care of some legal things in the event that I can't respond for myself. I've done enough funerals to know this, folks. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. God's timetable isn't ours. You know, Doug had, had the opportunity to visit with your dad, Howard, this week, and here's what he wanted me to tell the church. Tell everybody at church I said hello. Howard Cotrera. We may not all we may not all get to our 90s, but we all have to be ready. We may not all get to see our grandkids raised, but we all have to be ready. You see, God's triumphs, they look different than expected. Now, uh, you would think that uh, great judgment would be cast because of what's taken place here and the des uh, desperation in the lives of these people and these women mentioned. But the truth is, God always had a plan, and if we would have just waited on God, we wouldn't have messed up our life. I mean, anybody here this morning just haunted with the regret of doing something you would not do if you could go back and redo? I would say many of us are. But only by the blood of Jesus Christ and the shed love and mercy on Calvary, he died for our past and our shame and our guilt so that we could trust him for the future and even the day. So I want to share with you. Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow, things are going to get better. Now as we close this service, I want to ask you this question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the question I'm going to ask you right now. In this story, Elisha says, tomorrow things will get better. I want to ask everybody sitting here right now, 
why can't things begin to get better today, right now? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and when I say that question, there's never been a time in your life when you've recognized you're a sinner and that Jesus died to pay for your sin, your greatest need is to be saved. Right where you sit, right where you sit, call on God. Dear God, I realize I'm not ready, but I want to be. Jesus, would you come into my heart this morning, right now, and save me? I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And by faith, I place my faith, my life, into your hands right now. And I believe you not only died, you died for me that they buried you and that you rose from the grave. Lord Jesus, I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you would say, Brother Greg, I may not show it on the outside, but I feel desperate at times. Oh God, reveal to the heart of the believer today the importance of peace, knowing that you're in control. God, help us not get so impatient that our life would make a statement of why, why should we wait on you any longer. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. This is a great hymn of invitation. If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, I'll say God bless you. Praise the Lord for you. We'd love for you to share that with us this morning. I'll be here on the floor. Maybe you just want to come and kneel. You're always welcome to do that. But let's sing. Let's respond in obedience. If you need to come, come on. Let's sing it out. Come every soul. Trust him, oh.
trust him, only trust him now. He'll save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you to rest believe in him without delay and you are fully blessed only trust him only trust him only trust him now he save you. He will save you now. Come then and join this holy band and on to glory go to dwell in that celestial land where joys him only trust him now he will save you he will save you he will save you now sing uh, the chorus only trust him only trust him only trust him God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. What a sweet spirit in here today. Always know that at the end of the service, I'll be here if you need to talk to somebody.